Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Who here is a person who's got a habit for losing things? Actually, quite a few people are, um, are, are losers. That probably doesn't come across the way I mean it, but um, I'm also a massive loser. Um, <laughs> the number of times that uh, I'm just going around the house, like, has anyone seen my phone? Do you know where it is? Can, can you phone it? Oh, it's on silent. And I spend hours of my life searching for my phone, searching for my keys. The worst one is my glasses. Like, it's an absolute nightmare. Any glasses wearers will know this. Because you can lose your glasses, and they can just be right there in plain view on the table, like the other side of the room. But because you've not got your glasses on, you've got no idea. So you're kind of uh, ambling around trying to find them. I wonder if you've ever felt the same way, though, when it comes to a relationship. So this could be a friendship. It could be a family relationship. It could be a romantic relationship. Whatever relationship you want. I wonder if you've ever had this sense of, it's kind of just gone. Like, it, we, we were there. We were really tight. We were close. We got on. We saw each other all the time. And now, for some reason, what we had doesn't seem to be there anymore. Maybe it's physical distance. Like Maybe they were your housemate and now they're living somewhere else. So you don't see them anywhere near as often as you used to. Or maybe they've moved to another bit of the country or you've moved to another bit of the country. And someone you used to see most days, now it has to be a specially organised time and it just kind of goes down the to-do list as a priority and you rarely see each other. I can think of friends who uh, I, I used to spend every day with who I now see once every five years at best. And it's just sad, isn't it? Um, or maybe it's not even the physical distance. Maybe it's just somehow an emotional thing. Like, um, it, it felt like so, something's just switched and they've, um, they've checked out of the relationship. Like, what you used to get from them, you're not getting it anymore and you don't quite understand why. Years ago, I was 18 years old, uh, and I was dating someone who lived in another country, and we'd arranged to spend some time together in France. So we we made this plan, we were both going to travel there, and I said to her, all right, I'll I'll meet you at the airport. So um, she was flying into France, and I made this plan, but being 18 years old, I didn't really know how airports worked. So the last thing I'd said before she got on her flight was, you just wait by the bit where the suitcases come round, uh, and, and I'll meet you there. And so I, I get to the airport, and I'm like, right, where, where's this bit that the suitcases come round? And then I realise, oh my goodness, it's like a security check in between where I've come into the like, arrivals bit and where she's going to be. And this was not long after 9-11, so security at airports was really, really tight. Uh, and so I was waiting in this bit, not where I said I'd be, but the, the best I could do. She was waiting, just sitting there by the bits where the suitcases went round and round. And it, it must have been a couple of hours that we were both sat there like, oh my goodness, like, what do we do? How do we see? And, and there was just a barrier. There was a distance. Like We wanted to spend time with each other, but we just couldn't. Something was a block. Something was in the way, which I realise now was a little bit of a, a parable for that whole relationship and why it didn't work. But I, I wonder if you've ever 
felt something akin to that, like uh, that, that closeness, there's just something in the way. Maybe you've even felt it in your relationship with God. Anyone resonate with that? It's like you had been in a good place with God, and then somehow, you're not quite sure why, but he just seems a million miles away. I think this has happened to most of us at some point as a Christian. So your worship, it just feels like when you're singing the songs, you're just going through the motions. You're just mouthing the words. It used to be that you were really meeting with the presence of God as you sang, but now you're, you're just there, and it's just the words. You turn crazy into gardens, and you're just saying it, but it's not quite the same thing. Or when you're praying, it's like the words are just hollow. They're bouncing off the ceiling. You feel like you're getting nothing back. Anyone ever felt like that? I ever wondered what that's all about? Why, why does that happen? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. We've been doing a little series in this book in the middle of our Bibles, the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, as it's called. It's a little book of romantic poetry, eight chapters long. Um, I'd highly recommend at some point during this series, just sit down and read it start to finish. It's about 20 minutes from cover to cover. And just immerse yourself in this poetry between the lover and the beloved. But what we're doing is we're looking at it, is we're seeing how this lifts us up to think about our relationship with God, our love for God and God's love for us. This has historically been seen as a book about Jesus and the church. So, so far we've seen uh, her desire for him, her longing to be close to him. We've seen how she feels about herself and what he says to her. You're beautiful. There is no flaw in you. And we thought about how through the gospel, God can say that to us. Today we're going to look at the wrinkles in the story because no good story just is plain sailing all the way. And there there are some hitches in this story of the Song of Songs. And we've got two of them that we'll see today. And both of these happen at night. Uh, They happen in the dark. And I was chatting with someone this week just about the significance in the Bible of what happens in the dark and what happens in the light. It's an image of the, the darkness is the place away from God. And then things are brought into the light. God is light. Well, these both happen at night in the dark. And maybe they're dreams. Maybe they're things that she actually experienced for real. But what's happening in both is she wants to be close to him, but she can't find him anywhere. And we're going to think about those times that we want to be close to God, but it seems like his presence is absent. So let's read the first one. If you've got your Bible, Song of Songs, chapter 3, and we'll go from verse 1 to verse 4. So, yeah, please do turn there or uh, scroll to it on your phones or whatever you want to do. Song of Songs 3. This is her speaking. Upon my bed at night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. The sentinels found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and wouldn't let go until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. 
So you've got this woman. She knows that she loves him. She's searching after him. She's seeking for him. But he's not there. She's calling out to him. But he's not answering. The desire for him is there. But the enjoyment of his presence is gone. The intimacy isn't there anymore. She wants to be close. But right now she isn't. And as we read this in a spiritual way, this here in the middle of our Bibles is acknowledging that there will be moments in a relationship with Jesus where it seems like his presence is gone. I've got an acknowledgement of that here. It seems like he's far off. It seems like he's absent. It seems like he's ghosting you. Anyone ever been ghosted? You know, you're sending someone messages, then halfway through the conversation, they just stop replying. You know, you've got the two blue ticks, you know they've got the message, but they're not talking to you anymore. And it's feeling like that with with God sometimes, yeah? Yeah, we experience this. Now, I keep saying a little word, I keep saying the word seems, and the word seems is doing a lot of heavy lifting for me here, because... We know that God has promised to never leave us and never forsake us. So we're not saying that God actually is absent. We're saying from our experience, from our point of view, it seems like he is. It seems like his presence is a long way away. But that doesn't really change how it feels, does it, when it happens? That doesn't make it any less disorienting. It doesn't make it any less painful. And what's even more striking here, as we read about this woman's experience, is She hasn't done anything wrong. It's not like um, they've argued. It's not like um, she's had a go at him, called him names. It's not like she's cheated on him. It's not like she's done anything that's put this distance in the relationship. She's just there and she longs for the one who she was close to. And he doesn't seem close anymore. And actually, sometimes when we feel distant from God, our first question is, well, what have I done wrong? Maybe I must have done something to put this block here. Now, maybe there are times that we have, but a lot of the time, it's not because of something we've done. It's not because of a mistake on our part. It just seems to happen. It's really confusing. And there's a name that people often attach to this experience that you might have heard. They call it the dark night of the soul, which is just quite a, a deep, intense, brooding name for it, isn't it? The dark night of the soul. But it's something we see when we read scripture. So you you think about someone like Elijah. Elijah had his moment where uh, he met with God. He had the power of the Holy Spirit upon him. He confronted all these prophets of other gods. and, uh, And God did a work of power. Many people came to faith that day. And what's the next we see of Elijah? He's going on his own, sitting down in this valley and just sulking. Just, God, I don't get it. God, I'm on my own. God, I'm the only one. I want to die, God. It's like what he was feeling the day before, all of a sudden has just gone into this lull. Not just in the Bible we see it. We hear it in the the stories and testimonies. I don't know if you read biographies. You hear the stories of different Christians and what they've experienced. Perhaps one of the most famous Christians of the 20th century was Mother Teresa. And she wrote in her diaries about her own experience of this. Just listen to these words. Just feel the the depth of what she's saying here. The pain within is so great. The place of God in my soul is blank. There's no God in me. In the darkness, Lord my God, who am I that you should forsake me? The one you've thrown away as unwanted and unloved. I call, I cling, I want 
and there's no one to answer. No one on whom I can cling. No, no one alone. The darkness is so dark and I'm alone. Before, I used to get such help and consolation from spiritual direction. But now, nothing. It's strong, isn't it? Maybe you felt the same way. A few years ago, I had this moment, right? And the way I work, I'm kind of a future thinker. So my wife often thinks about the past and reminisces. I often think about the future, and it's like, hey, what about this? Wouldn't it be great if? I, I'm a future-minded thinker. But I came across this moment a few years ago when I just realised, like, oh, my goodness, I can't see the future anymore. Not in like a, I know what's definitely going to happen, but I can't imagine it. I can't think. I can't dream. I've got no hopes. I've got no longings. There's nothing can't connect with God. I can't feel his presence. I was in this real lull and this low. And I had this thought, this bleak thought got through my head. It's like, is this what it'd feel like when I was about to die? I was in that place. I felt this disconnect from God. Like before it, I'd felt his presence with me. But in that moment, I didn't. I identified with Elijah, with Mother Teresa, with the lady here. I sought him, but found him not. Even think about Jesus on the cross. What were those words that he cried out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a real experience. And all I want us to see at the moment is if you've ever experienced this sense of distance from God, I want you to know two things. One, it's, it's real. Uh, and secondly, it's not only you. You're not the only one who's experienced this. This is part of what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. And often when you feel it, it's not your fault. It's not because you've broken something. It's not because you've put a problem in there. This is just part of what it is. Let's jump on to the second similar encounter. It's similar in a lot of ways. It's different in some. So turn to chapter 5. I'll read from verse 2 to verse 8. So again, this is her. Again, this is at night. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I'd put off my garment, how could I put it on again? I'd bathe my feet, how could I soil them? My beloved thrust his hand into the opening, and my inmost being yearned for him. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh upon the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and was gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but did not find him. I called him, but he gave no answer. Making their rounds in the city, the sentinels found me. They beat me. They wounded me. They took away my mantle those sentinels of the walls. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, tell him this, I'm faint with love. So before she was on her own and she was longing for him, but he wasn't there. This time it's different. This time he knocks on the door. This time he's making his approach, 
but she's got her reason. She's got her excuse, so she turns him away. She's just gone to bed. She's uh, taken off her day clothes. She's in her pyjamas. Uh, she's all turned in for the night, and then she gets a knock on the door. You've been in that place, right? Someone knocks on your door when you've already checked out for the day. It's like, no, I'm done. It's not a good time for me. There's nothing wrong with a bit of me time at the end of the day. But when there's always a reason, when there's always an excuse, when there's always a no, now isn't a good moment, and that's the constant refrain in any relationship with a person or with God, when it's constantly no, not now, no, not now, no, not now, then that's going to affect the relationship in some way. That's going to put some distance there. And this is a picture that the New Testament picks up. The spiritual version of this we see in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 3, Jesus to one of the churches uses this same imagery. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. Just like he was knocking on her door. It says Jesus is knocking on the door of his church. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in, I'll eat with you and you with me. There's this invitation to fellowship with Jesus as he knocks on the door. We've got the same choice to make that she had to make. Will we open the door? Will we accept the invitation? And some of the time we make the same choice that she did. Say, nah, it's not a good moment. We push him away. And there's all sorts of reasons we might do that. We might just be tired. Maybe there's stuff going on in our lives we don't want uh, him to speak into. Maybe we take the knock with God sometimes when stuff doesn't go our way. There are all sorts of reasons why we might say, actually, God, I don't want your presence. I don't want to invite you in at the moment. Some of us make the same choice she made. But almost straight away, she regretted that decision. She sent him away and then she was like, I actually really did want to spend some time with him. I actually did want to be close. So then she puts the clothes back on. She goes outside. She's seeking for him, but he's not there anymore. On the first one of these, we, we, we said sometimes it's not our fault. Sometimes this relational distance isn't because of anything we've, we've done. Well, this time it kind of is because of something she's done. She's pushed him away. It can happen either way. And this hurts in its own way, but it leaves us in the same place. I'm seeking after him. I want him. I want to be close to him. But it seems like he's not there. What do I do? Ever felt that way? And sometimes what might make this worse is the way other people respond. So when you're in this kind of dark night of the soul moment, when you're feeling that God is distant, and other people, even well-meaning people, try to help, often whatever they say it doesn't really help. I don't know if you noticed, both of the passages that I read, there were some other characters introduced, some people who are called the Sentinels, or maybe in your translation, they're called the Watchmen. And these represent other people. So these could be your friends. These could be Christian leaders. These could be whoever you're looking to. Well, these people will help. These people, I'm feeling far away from him. They'll be able to point me in the right direction, won't they? Well, I'm not so sure. In chapter 3, what it said about them was this. This is verse 3. The sentinels found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? She's asking them to point her in the right direction. But basically the answer is, no, no, we can't help you. It's only after she's passed them by that she finds him. Now, they mean well, and they're looking for help, 
So she's looking for help from them. They can't do anything. They, they can't bring her back into his presence. Christine Kane says, people cannot give you what you can only get from God. I've experienced this in those times that I've been having a lull and I've had a friend say to me something like, you know, Tom, what you really need to do is pray about it. How do you pray about it? That's exactly the problem. I'm feeling like I can't pray right now. I'm disconnected. Like praying just is like the last thing I want to do. I mean, I know you mean well, but haven't you got any better advice than that? So then they say, well, okay, okay, if if praying isn't the thing, I know, I I read this great book about it. Let me lend you a book. You've lent me a book. Now I've got to feel like I'm in this spiritual lull and I've got to look at your book on my shelf and feel bad for not reading it. Like, it just makes it worse. Or I'll send you a link to a talk. Great, I don't want to listen to your talk, but I, I, I get it. I get that you're trying to help. And part of you wants to say, thank you, I know you're trying to be kind to me. And part of you wants to say, please just shut up, you're making things worse right now. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about or is this just me? (laughs) Actually, what you need from your friends at a time like that, most of the time, is just someone who can put an arm around your shoulder and say, you know what, I'm here with you uh, for the distance, as long as this takes, you've got a friend in me. That's all you need. You don't need people to solve it for you. But in chapter 5, when we meet these sentinels, it gets even worse. They come up in verse (laughs) 7. Making their rounds in the city, the sentinels found me. They beat me. They wounded me. They took away my mantle, those sentinels of the walls. Let's speak about abuse of authority. And abuse of authority is not a 21st century problem. We hear about it a lot in our day, but it's something that's existed as long as the human race. It's right here in our Bibles. The the poetry of this verse intimates that she's experienced physical abuse, sexual abuse at the hands of these sentinels. It's a horrific thing. You go to someone for help. You're looking to them thinking, if I go to these people, maybe they can sort my problem. Maybe they can help me out with this need I've got. But instead, they hurt you, they exploit you. And whatever form it takes, sometimes it takes a very similar form as it did for her. Sometimes it takes different forms. It plays out in lots of ways. But it's where you think you're going to get help, but they just don't care. And you end up worse off than you were at the start. I want you to picture this woman. Just imagine her. Just try and empathise with her as we read this, she's already feeling alone. She's already feeling isolated. She feels like she's blown it. The the relationship that she's so treasured and cherished, she feels like it's her fault now. It's gone. There's a rift in it. And then this happens to her. Wouldn't it be easy to give up? Wouldn't it be easy to say, I'm done with this and walk away from the whole thing? But yet, through it all, there's something deep down in her that's longing still for the presence of her good, kind, safe, gentle groom. Do you see what she says in verse 8, right after this? I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem. That's her friend. She's saying to her friends, 
If you find my beloved, tell him this. I'm faint with love. This love inside her, this desire for him is still there. After all that she's been through, there's still this longing deep down within her. She still seeks after him. My question when I think about this whole topic, when I read passages like this, is why? Like what, why is this how it is? Why, why in the Christian life are there moments that it feels like God is distant? And the answer is that God in those moments is doing something. God's at work. I mean, that's the song we were singing earlier, isn't it? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Yeah? And Tony Evans, uh, an American pastor, I think he's right on the money when he says, when God is silent, he's not still. Don't confuse those two things. Don't confuse the moments that you don't sense God's presence as moments where God isn't at work, because that's not true. I'll try and illustrate what God's doing. I'll try and show you how this works. So often there's a thing that Emma and I do when one of us is uh, going on a trip, when one of us is going away for a while. The one who goes away will leave, leave home. The other one who stayed at home will send a message. And Let's say I'm going on the trip, right? So Emma will send me a message. It'll be something like, hey, how you doing? Um, are you missing me? And then I will reply something like, you know what, I'm on the bus to the train station. I saw you like 15 minutes ago. I'm all right, I'm fine at the moment. <laughs> I mean, this is all tongue-in-cheek. Right? It's kind of a light-hearted thing that we do. But um, she'll send me a message again a little bit later. It's like, are you missing me now? Like, I'm on the train, I've got my coffee, I've got a book, there's a bit of peace and quiet, you know. <laughs> Life's good, you know, I'm fine. <laughs> And then it'll keep going over the trip. Are you missing me? Are you missing me? There, there always comes a point that it flips from, yeah, I'm doing fine, to I am missing you. I, I really am. There, there comes that moment on any trip that you just miss home and you miss the people who you're not seeing anymore. There's that saying, isn't there? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And that sense of distance makes you long for the closeness. There's something like that at work here. Julian Hardiman writes this. One effect of the times when Jesus seems to withdraw is to make us long for him all the more and to seek him in that conscious sense of his peace and presence. If you're in a state where God seems distant, seems inaccessible, then please realise this doesn't mean he's not working in you. He is there but his spirit's doing a different work when you don't feel his presence, but instead feel a sense of absence. That sense of absence is given to you by God to make you seek after him all the more. Do you see that sense of absence is a gift? It's given by God to, to spark that desire for him all the more. One thing I've learned since I have become a parent, having had time after time after time of taking my kids to playgrounds, uh, is kids make friends really easily with stranger kids, and they all know how the game goes. Like, they'll be playing, and then one of them will just set off running. 
and they know that the other one, it's not like, all right, the game's over, they've run away. They know what to do. They run after them. They play this game that I'm running because I know you're going to chase me. I'm going to move away from you because I know you're going to move towards me. And this will be a shared experience that, uh, that draws us close, that adds to the fun we've got together. Moments when we don't feel God's presence, where he seems distant, are an invitation to pursue him. It's an invitation to run after him, to go after him all the more, to seek him. I wonder if you noticed the verbs in chapter 3 that we read. I love him, I sought him, I found him not, I found him, I held him, I brought him home. It's amazing, isn't it, that I found him not. That's not the end of the story. It goes there. But then it progresses. I found him not, but then I found him. Then I held him. Then I brought him home. Let these moments create that longing within you. And then that moment when you do experience his presence in a fresh way becomes all the more precious. I shared some of what Mother Teresa wrote in her diary earlier. Well, that did a work in her. At the end of her life, Her words were this. This was her cry right at the end of her life. I want Jesus. You see this sense of feeling distant, feeling like God's presence wasn't with her. It sparked in her just this renewed sense of, I just want him. I just want the closeness of Jesus in my life. Isn't that the cry that we all want to be crying? I just want Jesus more and more and more. Isn't that what the Song of Songs is inviting us into? So Amy Bird encourages us, and I think this is exactly the the admonition from this passage. Let's be bold like the bride in seeking him. Pray fervently, go to his word, get with his people. Don't stay down, get up. It's easy in those moments to think, I'm just going to stay down. I'm just going to stay in bed. I'm going to give up on it. Don't give up on it. Go after him. What might this look like? Well, She mentions fervent prayer, getting in the word. Maybe that's what it is for you. Maybe you feel like right now that's too much. Maybe I can't pray fervently or get in the word. And maybe all you can do is just cry out to him, God, I don't get it, this hurts, this isn't what I want. Maybe that cry is all you've got. Then cry that cry. Maybe for you what it looks like is falling onto your knees before him. Maybe it's waiting on him and just holding on to old promises, things that you've just had a sense of him saying to you in the past, just quoting them back to him. Maybe it's getting into a quiet place on your own and worshipping. Maybe it's opening up to someone else, speaking out your troubles and just having people who can stand alongside you with their arm on your shoulder. The Song of Songs is about the ebb and flow of a relationship. The, The moments of seeming distant... They stir up the longing, but they're not the end of the story. Chapter 3, verse 4. This is how it lands. Scarcely had I passed them when I found him. You see, we're invited to seek him, but we will find him whom my soul loves. I held him. I would not let him go until I brought him home. You see, the heart of Jesus is to be found and to draw near. That's what he wants. That's what he longs for. It's so interesting in the Gospels how often Jesus speaks of this seeking and finding idea. Think of the story of uh, the one sheep that was lost, and then the shepherd who left the 99 and went after the one. Because there was the distance, he wanted 
to find the one that was far away and bring it home. Or the woman who lost one coin in her house and turned over everything in the house to find the one. You see, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That was his mission statement. And just like this bride here is seeking after the one she loves, so Jesus came to seek after the ones who he loves. People like you and me who were distant from him, lost in our own mess and sin. He came to seek us, to find us, and to bring us home. Know this, as you long for Jesus, he longs for you. As you seek Jesus, he's seeking you. And we've got the promise in the book of James, as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. The Bible says weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Seek him and you'll find him.